0: This is EdTech Weekly. I'm your host, Ricky Zager, and this is episode 109. And in tonight's show, Google's Applied Digital Skills Initiative, the Next Billion EdTech Prize winner, four ways to start a student help desk, and we'll break down some EdTech research. Joining me on the show, Google Certified Educator and my co-host, Christy Warren. Christy, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, Ricky. How are you doing tonight?
0: I'm doing good. Excited to be here. A little bit of a cold, but I feel like it gives me that, like... 1-900-EDTECH-VOICE.
1: That's a different kind of show.
0: <laughs> that is a different kind of show.
1: All right, tonight we also have our Lowdown segment, and we'll be sharing some EDTECH Facebook pages you should be following.
0: Yeah, I think it's a great way to get new information. I think a lot of teachers are on Facebook. A lot of everyone is on Facebook, let's be honest. So on a daily basis, we're there. So having some good resources pop up in between some of the other nonsense probably isn't a bad idea. But to get, good. to get to that point, Christy, we got to start, as we always do, with that EdTech News Rundown. <music> and our first story is some evidence-based research about EdTech from edweek.org. They actually give five key lessons, and they are expanding access isn't enough, beware of online-only courses, adaptive math tools hold enormous promise, Small reminders can help, and communication shouldn't be social psychology. So there's a lot to unpack with this one, and I think that's why we're going to make it our breakdown section.
1: Yeah, I love when research matches what we see in everyday practice. It's a little validating, so I look forward to breaking it down um, later in the show. For sure. Next story. With many schools implementing one-to-one device initiatives, the need for tech support is greater than ever. This article from EdTech Magazine shares four best practices for getting students involved through student-run help desks. The four practices include, number one, pinpoint learning outcomes and design the curriculum. Number two, develop learning activities and assessments. Number three, identify, recruit, and promote the team. And lastly, establish a mission, purpose, and goals. What do you think, Ricky? Do you see this in higher ed? And what do you think about this in the K-12 arena?
0: Geez, basically all of my job revolves around some level of tech help. And it isn't even really supposed to be that. But I, I do love the idea of letting students be involved. And I think that should be happening with many aspects of ed tech, whether it's creating stuff, helping teachers you know, solve ed tech issues in the classroom, all of those things. But for me, I just can't see our faculty having their own help desk. Uh, that would be an interesting thing in my world. But thankfully, our university does have an official help desk, which features a 24-hour phone number that they can call whenever they need help.
1: 24 hours. When do you get that late night shift?
0: Listen, I don't know. But I do know that I've gotten emails at 1 in the morning because somebody's freaking out that a test isn't working properly or something like that. So they're needed. That's for sure. Definitely. All right. Well, our next story. We're classing it up a little bit here with an article from Forbes that tells us African company Ubongo won the next billion EdTech prize. It's important to note that it is named Next Billion, and that isn't the amount that they receive. The amount is $25,000, which is nothing to sneeze at. But Ubongo is a Tanzanian edutainment service, and that means that they combine media, entertainment, and interactivity to help teach elementary age students fundamental STEM skills. So it's pretty cool. The really cool part about this is that the characters look and sound like Tanzanians because they are... And that certainly helps students connect with the material. I think that's super important, especially in those different uh, cultures and different countries.
1: Yeah, I definitely want to check that out. And I'm wondering what the company thought when they got that email that they won the next billion ed tech prize.
0: Twenty five thousand dollars. Let's be calm. It's not a billion, okay? You're. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right. Moving on to our next article. When you think about all the ed, the tech skills that we discuss, getting those into use can be tricky. This article from The 74 Million shares information on the Applied Digital Skills lessons from Google. Jamie Sue Goodman spearheads this ambitious program to provide educators with a rich set of video-based instructional materials that they can access for free. Basically, every job out there requires some basic computer skills, she says. Now, Ricky, you know I love Google, so of course I'm a fan. And the Applied Digital Skills scope helps students prepare for a life beyond the classroom, showing them how to create a resume in Google Docs, organize college information in Google Sheets, assemble a presentation in Google Slides, and even analyze data to predict hit movies.
0: Yeah, I know we talk a lot of ed tech, and I'm pretty sure we recently mentioned why it just makes sense for companies to do exactly this, offer free trainings, get people to use your products in school and beyond. And listen, I am just because I'm not Google-certified educator doesn't mean that I don't see uh, some of the awesome stuff Google's doing, and I think there's no surprise that they're on top of this. Definitely. All right, well, let's get into the breakdown. And for that, we're going to be digging a little deeper into those five key lessons that we that have been learned through ed tech research. And let's just start with the first, which explains that expanding access isn't enough and could even be detrimental to students, which seems a little counterintuitive.
1: Yeah, it turns out that just giving students access to computers or devices isn't enough. And I think most of us know this. There has to be some level of support and direction or any initiative would feel, fail. One of the things we try to do is provide that just-in-time support to teachers by having ed tech coaches on site now we have done this where we have added this onto a teachers already full day which has been challenging um, but in our remote areas that is the best way that we have found to do that i'm sure there are other ways out there i'd love to hear from them um, but really supporting students i think also starts with supporting our teachers Um, and helping them move along that SAMR progression so that they're asking kids to do things differently. Otherwise, it's just a fancy word processor um, that we're putting in the hands of students.
0: Yeah, and even if it's a fancy word processor, it may not work well. But if you do have any uh, experience with this and you want to help Christy, if this just be a reach-out show for Christy to help her and her district out. But I'm sure there's a lot of listeners that could use some extra advice on ways to really make sure there's support for students and teachers. With these one-to-one or just with any technology initiatives, for that matter, I mean, I really hope that this point—that it's not a surprising revelation for anyone—support um, your teachers and students as much as with as much evidence-based teaching and learning strategies as possible has got to be the best way. Just throwing technology at someone is just never—it's never going to work.
1: Yeah. Okay. Our next lesson tells us we should be aware of online-only courses. Ricky, I know you work in the online courses world, so I'll let you take this one.
0: Yeah, at face value, it seems pretty damning when they say, yeah, online is terrible only. Just stay away from online only. But when you get into the research, it it reminds me a lot of that previous lesson we just talked about. They reference a lot of online intervention classes that struggling students are put in. And those courses are generally self-paced with very little interaction between teachers and students. Of course, this is going to fail. You're taking students with motivation or other learning problems and expecting them to take ownership without any real support. It makes me sad because I worked in dropout prevention many years ago, and they were trying to funnel our students into a complete online program, and we fought back really hard, actually, and and caused some. I don't. There's some administrators out there that probably don't like my name very much because we were not happy with that. I mean, we knew logically it was a bad idea, but we also had the numbers to prove it of about six students that they had convinced to take this route. Zero of them ever completed or ended up graduating and they ended up dropping out. So, you know, online can be awesome, but throwing underperforming students in an unsupportive online environment will never work. It's the same as the other thing. You can't just expect, oh, this is going to make it easier for them. There's motivation. There's connection. There's all those things that we talk about on a daily basis or on a weekly basis here on the show.
1: Yeah, how often do we talk about balance? You know, I think online environments can be really helpful for some students in some ways, but without a caring adult relationship, you know, I do think that that is one reason why students struggle. So how can we combine both of them? Yeah. It's... Uh, the, the next <laughs> lesson, uh, which is that adaptive math software holds an enormous amount of potential. Basically saying here that math software with the ability to adapt to how a student is progressing can be a powerful tool if done correctly The problem is some of them work well and others have struggled to show statistical improvements
0: Yeah, and if you look at the article and I'm not going to throw out names here because I know there's probably Probably some schools using some of these and um, you know I think you should take a look at it But they mention a few that are not performing well or actually even showing that students may do worse so I assume the more data that these programs get, the better they're going to be. And we just need to make sure that the students are contributing to that data. The people, the students who are using it right now aren't just guinea pigs who are getting no help at all or even getting hurt by it. I mean, I think in the long run it will help. But it just just using them to get the data to help students down the road is a little bit problematic. I think the other two lessons are worth checking out as well. But in the interest of time, let's move on to the lowdown segment If you do want to see the other lessons or read more about the ones we discussed, you can check out edtechwithshow.com or you can just use the Googles. The Googles.
1: (laughs) Okay. For tonight's lowdown segment, we wanted to share some Facebook pages that may be of interest for those in education.
0: Yeah. I assume most of us spend a chunk of time on Facebook. So I think it's a great idea to follow a few education pages so you get some good resources in your timeline. And if nothing else, you can hopefully see less political nonsense in your feed.
1: <laughs> I don't know about that. But let's go ahead and start with the big <laughs> list that we found found on where we are, uh, teachers.com. We'll put the link in the show notes so you can find all their suggestions. But we wanted to highlight a few. We'll start with Mr. D, Joe Dombrowski. He's been on Allen, so he has quite a few following him. And if you're looking for ways to infuse more fun into your teaching, this may be the page for you.
0: Yeah, he definitely has personality, and he can make you laugh and hopefully learn something, too. And I think if you're somebody who's just really into education and and enjoys humor and memes, and he kind of brings this creative passion to his teaching, so I think it's kind of cool. And this next one, I think, is a must-follow for all teachers. It's called Love, Teach. And it is a very holistic look at teaching. There's attitude, inspiration, and there's fun in there. And if you only follow one, I would say make it this one. And um, there are others, of course, on weareteachers.com that you can check out. And we'll put those again in the show notes. But this one's a good one.
1: All right. You know, I'm definitely going to look that up. So I think before we end the segment, we should share one more. This one is Getting Nerdy with Mel and gertie oh and boy. maybe worth a follow for the name alone but they share cool science videos teaching ideas and science humor and their content is geared towards students of all ages
0: yeah well as a nerd myself this one really makes me happy uh but let's get into the social meds, shall we
1: social medes is edtech weekly show with no w at the end is how you can find us on instagram twitter and facebook and you can follow me at christy m warren
0: yeah, and you can follow me at 4 Tech Teachers. That's the number 4 Tech Teachers. And remember that our show is available wherever you listen to your podcast. And now it's also available on Spotify. And if you listen on iTunes, go ahead and give us a review.
1: Okay, and don't forget, you can always email the show at edtechweekly at gmail.com. Send us your ideas, suggestions, or ways you'd like to be involved.
0: That's right. And we'll see you next time on Ed Tech Weekly.